This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stop it! Stop it! I don't like when you say that! Anyone ever said that to you? Stop it! Don't say that! I don't like you saying that. These words have been spoken in classrooms, homes, families, workrooms, break rooms, cafeteria rooms. I don't like it when you say that. Well, let's open your Bible because, boy, there's some stuff in there today as we're reading from Zephaniah that you guys might say, Stop it! I don't like what you are saying. We've been reading through the entirety of the scriptures, and as we've gone through what are now sometimes called the Book of the Twelve, you may know it as the Minor Prophets, uh, it starts to sound like the same thing. And here's that first challenging verse, Zephaniah 1 verse 4, I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now we just sang a hymn, Jerusalem, my happy home, and some of you are going, wait a second, so they're striking out my happy home. Now recall The happy home, as we sang that final verse, is talking about the day of the restoration of God preparing this home for all of us. We got clarity in Hebrews chapter 12 that the Jerusalem that we're referring to in that song is God's restorative work at the end of all time. Zephaniah 1 verse 4 is not talking about that time. Zephaniah 1 verse 4 is talking about the challenges that is going to befall a people living in Jerusalem due to their own disobedience. Sometimes it's just better to call a thing what it is. They didn't listen to God, and God said, all right, I told you. But then you have them doing what? Stop it, stop it, don't say that. I don't like when you say that. And in this case, they're talking to God. I don't like when you say that. I want to share with you, this is uh, Reverend Martin Luther. He wrote on Zephaniah. It's an extended quote, but I found it really insightful. So he writes this almost 500 years ago. So just remember that as you hear this. Almost 500 years ago, he writes this about Zephaniah. For none of the prophets was ever able, even once, to persuade this people that God was angry with them. They relied continually on the claim that they were and were called God's people. And whoever preached that God was angry with them had to be a false prophet and had to die. For they would not believe that God would leave his people. It was then as it is today. All who teach that the church errs and sins and that God will punish her are denounced as heretics and killed. Turns out we don't like being told that we're wrong. And we didn't like it 500 years ago. And we don't like it now. So when Luther said today, he was not talking about 2019. He was talking about something in the 16th century. But he did understand something about humans because we haven't changed all that much. We like the way we do it. Or in the words of a young child, me do itself. And then as we grow up, we just use perhaps better English or more forceful words sometimes or choice language to make our opinions known. Rather than considering why God is speaking to them, the people are simply upset that God's using stern words. Have you ever considered why someone might be correcting you? Or did you just say, you can't say that? 
or stop it, stop it, I don't like when you say those words. Zephaniah 2 verse 3 continues, so flip into the second chapter. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. See, this is a picture of people who didn't just hear God, but they took time to say, why is it that God was saying this corrective? Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. So we've heard this previously as well as some of the prophets spoke about uh, being forgiven and what this looks like. Do you remember in Jonah? Remember what the king of Nineveh said as they were there in sackcloth and ashes? He goes, you know, maybe God will forgive us. Maybe he will relent from his fierce anger. Now, most of us, if we do some, you know, come to Jesus moment, we confess our sins, we expect fully God will do what? Well, we ask, so he's going to give it. I ask God to give me $200 bills, so he's got to give it. And if he doesn't, then God failed, not me. See, the, the picture out of the scriptures is a little bit different. Uh, the picture is, remember, God is God and you are not. And you might do well to remember you're approaching a holy God. That's Zephaniah 2, 3. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. <laughs> we are not naturally a humble people. We have grown up in a nation who's very good at having what? We got pride, man. We just do. When uh, we wear pride, and I'm not saying pride's a bad thing, but we got a lot of it. Like, humility is not like an American first move. Like, we don't go somewhere and say, wow, you guys do this so different than us. We should do what you're doing. I had a friend of mine when I was studying abroad. Man, talk about you just you, you understand what comes out when you're sick. Like when you're sick, your guard goes down. So this young man while I'm there is sick and he's being cared for by his host parents and family. And he looks at her and and he says this great pride moment, like, we know better than you, we have better medicine than you, we have all this. And I'm sitting there going, buddy, they're just helping you. But his first move was lashing out. Seek humility, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Perhaps. See, this is a different picture. The prophet says God's going to do a restorative work. He's going to correct. He's going to call you to account. Perhaps you may be hidden. Now, the prophet Zephaniah goes on to talk about the challenges that are going to come to Judah, leading up into the days in exile. And then chapter 3 tells us a little bit more. Her officials within her are roaring lions. So speaking of people in Jerusalem, the officials, the elected people, the people who are supposed to be leading you, you guys are like, man, it turns out this stuff is so accurate. It turns out that officials can sometimes be roaring lions. But people thought they were helping. Remember, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And just so you're all very clear, if you think all the problems of the world will be fixed at the next election, you all know the answer to this, right? And all God's people said, don't forget that. I mean it. Do not forget that. Every election, you bought into the lie that what was going to happen. Well, no, no, not just change. It always changes. Please, please. <laughs> Hopefully you know that by now. It always changes. You, you thought it'd be fixed. It always changes. <laughs> I guarantee you that. You know what's going to happen tomorrow morning? Monday. 
I mean, yeah, so I mean, I'm just letting you know, like, Monday happens. And most of you are like, oh. And some of you are like, you just destroyed my happy Sunday morning. You reminded me that Monday is coming. I know, I know. Zephaniah 3, verse 3 and 4. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are, e- are evening wolves. Isn't that a, that's, a, that's an odd phrase, but the prophet explains it. Are evening woods that leave nothing till the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. See, rather than focusing on Zephaniah, all the leaders are just going, he's not happy with us, so get him. Get the prophet. Get the one who says we're a problem. Get Zephaniah out of here because he's the issue. No one's willing to realize the issue may be, it may be closer to home than we want. Uh, In the not immortal words or temporarily immortal words of Michael Jackson, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I know. Some of you are like, I didn't know that was a song. Well, it is. And he actually said, what? I'm talking to the man. This is weird, is it not? Michael Jackson says, I'm talking to the man in the mirror and what? Make the change. There's the whole theme there. It's an interesting phrase we'd do better to realize. <laughs> the, the change starts with us. And sometimes God's biggest word of correction needs to come to who? The church. When the church is so often doing what? Evil culture. It is terrible. They are destroying us. No, they're not. You just stopped listening to God. And you started listening to them. And then you started adopting their ways. And you became like what? The people of Israel, the people of Judah, and all the people who got wrapped up in doing other things. And then you said, well, there's a very nice Canaanite God we could worship. Let's put one of those in our church. And it sounds silly to you, right, when you say it that way. But it didn't seem silly to the people in Judah and Israel at the time when they said, well, I mean... It seems like a nice God, so why not install it? Boy, corrective words, though, they're not always that much fun. Zephaniah 3, 14 and 15, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. See, this is the correction. If you listen to God, what was challenging is no longer a challenge to you. Verse 17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. But some of you are still hung up on the fact that chapter 1 and 2 were really harsh words spoken against Jerusalem. Going, man, but God seemed really angry at them. Hebrews chapter 12, if you turn there, and don't worry, we're coming back. If you don't want to, it's fine. I'll, I'll read it to you. So if you want to stay right where you are, Hebrews chapter 12 gives us some tough words. Verse 4 In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. See, the writer is writing there to say, You are not dead yet for the faith. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not yet a martyr. You might tell people, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a martyr. I, I give up my Sunday mornings. I could be at the links. I could have gone with friends to the beach this weekend. I had a chance to go to the ocean. I'm a martyr for the faith. You do not know what a martyr is if you believe that's a martyr. You just don't. Because you're sitting high on your heels thinking that you've suffered because the air conditioning just wasn't at the right temperature. It's a little off. 
Man, I got to say it again. You know I say it. The reason you laugh is why? Because you're exhausting tension. Remember, that's what laughter is. That's the tension of you going, I was going to tell you that on the way out today, Pastor, and man, I am not saying that today. Because boy, wow. You haven't yet suffered death for the faith. But then verse 7, it talks about the discipline. The discipline that's happening through Zephaniah. Hebrews 12, verse 7. It is for discipline you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So I grew up in a household with a, a father who raised us all to be amateur radio operators. So what that means for you is my dad was always on the radio on every vacation, everywhere, and we were meeting people on every place we went. My dad would just find the local two-meter radio. He'd call up and find people, and we'd get to go special places because my dad would just meet somebody. He's like, oh, you're an amateur radio operator. Great, come on in. So there we are in Flagstaff, Arizona, and my dad just fires up the radio, and he's just talking, and he goes, hey, and he finds out a guy who is working at Lowell Observatory. So Lowell Observatory, if you don't know, is where they discovered what? Pluto, yeah, so I actually discovered it there. So my dad's just talking on the radio, and he finds out the guy who's coming up, man, I'm just going to welcome you in. My tour, private for your family. I'm like, all right, sweet. Now, as a kid, I'm not thinking that, right? I'm like, this is boring. Beyond, I mean, come on, man, I'm a kid, right? It's boring. So as we're climbing up the hill, if you don't know it, the whole observatory sits on the outside of Flagstaff, huge mountain on the edge of the city, and you go up it. So I'm sitting there, and halfway up, my dad, who loved taking photographs, sees this neat little over, you know, this little place where you scenic overlook. I didn't see scenic overlook. What did I see? Yeah, man. Talus field. Fun. This is great. So I go out and I start walking down past where one should walk. And my father, I, I tell you this, I will never forget this. My father yells out words I'd never heard before in my life. Never. My dad yells out and says, you jerk. Now some of you are like, man, you have a pretty kind dad. That's all you got. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. Fine. All right. I agree. Lord blessed me. I get it. But let me tell you what. When you hear words spoken you have never heard from a mouth that loved you, do you know what I did? I froze in an instant and had no idea why that had happened because those words never spoken in my house. Ever. Now, here's the rest of the story. My dad was 100% correct. Dad, if you hear this online, you were right. <laughs> yeah. I know they listen. Yeah. I know the call's coming. But my dad knew that he had to stop me before I killed myself. I was literally seconds from going down a very, very steep incline and it wasn't to call an ambulance it would have been to call the coroner when god writes to the people through zephaniah he's not saying hey let's have cake he's writing to say if you don't do this i will take you out in a coroner's bag and i love you too much to make this light you got to hear it and you got to hear it now but for too long in the church we've decided that god's just kind of playing like he's just a huggy guy he loves you enough to call you on the carpet when you need to be called on the carpet. The writer of Hebrews continues and says this in verse 11, speaking about the discipline. For the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful. Man, trust me, you know the, most, the second most awkward moment of that whole afternoon was? Not my dad saying those words. It's getting back into the car 
realizing geographically it is impossible to be further than three and a half feet from my father. It's impossible. Though my dad's probably thinking, trunk, hmm, roof, hmm. He chose wisely. He didn't. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Sometimes a parent's got to tell you you're wrong. When Jesus speaks through Zephaniah, he tells the people, the leaders and the officials, you're wrong, I'm right. And you can yell all you want, I'm still right. But by being corrected, by being trained, they're being called back to realize what God is up to. And they may not like they're getting called out first. That's actually what happens in Zephaniah 3. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors. He says at that time, he was dealing with them at the moment, all the ones they wanted to have dealt with. This sounds like what? It sounds like last week. It sounds like Habakkuk who's complaining, going, you can't use Babylon. You've got to get Babylon first. The Lord goes, I'm talking to you right now. Don't make it about them. This is about you. And the Lord's speaking to us as a church right now too. And he's saying, you God's people at Jordan Lutheran Church in Apex, North Carolina, need to focus on God's word first. His instruction first. His guidance to you first. Then, and only then, see what others have to say. God gets to be in the driver's seat. God gets to be the one in control of where things are headed. Last week, Habakkuk's question was, who sinned more, right? Well, Babylon's worse. Wrong question. What should have been asked was, how can God be so gracious to continue to work on us and love us so that he'd be glorified? The reason is because God is that loving of a God. He's that faithful to his promise. He's that faithful to who you are. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, the text continues, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. That word renowned is interesting. We don't use it that often. Or at least it's not common in our, in our vernacular. I, I don't hear like lots of kids saying, wow, that's renowned. You know? It's just, it, it doesn't happen. When I think of like renowned, I think of like the Rockettes, I think of the New York Philharmonic, I think of things like impressive, these massive things that just shock us in their organization, their skill, and their talent. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. God has changed you. You, right now. You, the person sitting there going, how could God love me? God has changed you. You are renowned to him because you are covered in Christ's righteousness at this hour. See, my dad said words to me that shook me to my core. Here's the crazy thing. God spoke those words, not to you, but to his son Jesus. The trouble on the cross is you have this huge tension. God letting his wrath pour out on someone else. My dad was right to yell at me. But rather than God the Father yelling at Mike Merker, all the yelling went to Jesus. And what I receive from Christ is his loving care today, tomorrow, and forever. That's the joy of being a Christian. Realizing you should have received all the yelling. You should have received all the discipline. You should have received all that challenge. But Christ took it in your stead. 
and what you receive from Christ is the gift to move from where you are today to that most glorious home that God has promised you. And each and every day, it gets brighter and better as we rest assured in God's promises. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.